0: hello and welcome to at (laughs) this week at the movies i guess i was a little too excited for it i'm matt i'm eric and our excitement is because you know what we're in the month of july we're halfway through the year and so eric and i are taking a little time out this week to look at our top five so far for the first half of the year and you know what there have been some pretty good movies so far this year in -hmm. fact when i get to my number one i rewatched that again last night still got Plenty dusty in my room, just you know, okay, holding my tiny cat, yeah, watching the film. But there have been some good ones, there are some ones we're looking forward to. So, at the end, uh, we will each give you one film coming, uh, in the rest of the year that we're also excited about. It'll be a fun time to see how many of these top five stay kind of in their same position or in the top 10 by the end of the year. I was mentioning last week. By this time last year, we had already seen the eventual Best Picture winner, everything, everywhere, all at once. We'd already seen Top Gun Maverick, movies that, for me, stayed pretty high up in my top 10 all the way throughout the year. So you mm-hmm. you can't discount the winter months and then the summer blockbuster seasons. No. Yep but eric i will let you kick it off and you're uh we're gonna go five to one and your number five probably gonna be pretty familiar to a lot of people it feels like we just talked about it last week and that's it's because almost, we did uh, that's
1: if we did yeah indiana, indiana jones, jones
0: and the dial of destiny so what makes it your number five uh you know I, i've i've missed a lot this year I, I
1: don't hate to be mean to indiana jones for it and say like oh the reason it's there is just because i haven't seen other better things but like I Again, I, if you saw my, you know, only like 2% psychotic rant that I went on about how that movie kind of like clicked for me in a way that it was a little unconventional. I've seen it resonate with other people with similar messages about nostalgia and whatnot. Um, it's just, it's just had enough there for me to chew on. And uh, there's another preview. <laughs> um had enough there for me to chew on and and i think harrison ford really brought his all to this sort of statement on his franchise and his history with the character and I you know it just resonated well enough had enough goofy memorable moments and it's just really hit me so far
0: oh you're muted yeah. i just look at it as it is now you don't have to wonder if i found the photo
1: yeah there you go <laughs>
0: My bad. Um, I really liked Indiana Jones too. As I mentioned last week, it is certainly up uh in my my top twenty. I've seen a few movies. I think at the definitive midpoint, I was at like four hundred and fifty films watched so far. I'm I'm on pace for like nine hundred. I don't. I'm wondering if I can crack a thousand, or if it'll be too much. Uh, but my number five, I went with, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh, this one came out in April, uh, based on the Judy Bloom book. Um, I really liked Abby Ryder Fortson, who plays Margaret. Um, it was a very cute tale. And, you know, I think it is a quintessential story for young girls, but I'm decidedly not a young girl. Um uh, mm. And I was still quite moved, quite entertained. I loved Rachel McAdams and actually Benny Safty as the parents. Yeah, probably not what you're expecting, uh, if at least the Benny Safty part in a yeah. I was in shocked. The Judy, Judy Bloom novel. Um, you know, really enjoyed Kathy Bates in there. I was moved by the story and the ideas. So that was my um, number four. Uh, my number five. Uh, my number four is actually Air. Um, which was the story of how nike ended up signing michael jordan it got a limited theatrical run right at the beginning of april it is now actually available to stream on prime video it was a uh, prime video original film that they decided to put it out in theaters i think for a qualifying run ben affleck directs it here i think he does a killer job i really loved uh the performances all the way around matt damon is kind of the head scout sonny vaquero who spent who has the vision that michael jordan could change fortune for nike basketball it's funny mm-hmm. 2023 we think of nike basketball as this kind of behemoth on the landscape but back in 1984 They were actually considering whether they needed to drop their basketball division because it was so unprofitable and because they were so far behind like Adidas and Reebok. And it was signing Michael Jordan and creating the Air Jordan that really changed the game for them. And it's about his singular vision pursuit. Affleck's in the movie. He plays Phil Knight, who owns um, Nike. Chris Messina plays Michael Jordan's agent. One of the most profane performances I've seen all year. Also, still currently my my pick for best supporting actor. Oh, okay, he and Matt Damon back and forth mostly on phone calls was incredible. Viola Davis uh, plays Michael Jordan's mother, kind of instrumental. It was really um, Sonny Vaquero pitching to uh, Michael Jordan's mother that got the the deal done. You wouldn't think uh, a biopic set in the '80s about them trying to sign a shoe contract would be that exciting. I loved it a lot. I thought it was a very emotional ride, so it's number four for me. But Eric, number four for you is...
1: Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. This is uh, another one that just... It's more because of the way that it resonated uh, personally among a group of friends of mine and I who got into this game just before they announced they were making the movie and to see it come together and represent so well what's appealing about that game and for chris pine and um michelle rodriguez to kind of like lead so charismatically through it uh there were just a lot of creative choices i really like that team uh john francis Daly and the other director who i unfortunately can't remember the name of um their work on game night i think that that's a very underrated comedy and i think they've just kind of proved that they have a lot of commercial appeal and
0: francis daly and jonathan goldstein Jonathan, i couldn't remember they're they're both john they also yeah, spider-man homecoming
1: yeah well there were two of like four to six writers on on homecoming but i think they were like they, they just, they, yeah, they're, they're a definite voice for entertainment. And I just really, I'm really ups, kind of more upset that this didn't make as much money and wasn't as successful as I had hoped it would be. Um, you know, some people give it flack for being similar to Guardians of the Galaxy and kind of using the, the beats of that movie to kind of find its own success or like ride it that way. I don't hundred percent see it that way. I just thought it was a lot of fun.
0: And I, you know, that's one that I still have at actually in my top ten as well. Um, my favorite, since we're rabbit trailing a little bit of their movies, is actually the remake of Vacation, which it's not oh, really right. a remake, but kind of the reboot where you follow uh, a grown Rusty Griswold. There are some things in there. I've seen that movie probably twenty five times, <laughs> and it never ceases to make me laugh it's
1: but, finally uh, back
0: on netflix so i get to see that soon oh man you should check it out uh what is ironic is i believe you and i have the same number three. Oh yeah this, this is like well earned this movie
1: like spider-man wolf like this blew me out of the water like it, it, it's so imaginative it's so spectacular it's so like thoughtful about the character and what resonates about the idea of spider-man and it's the every creative department deserves some sort of award here animation uh the score editing like there are so many things in this like i and i i thought the performances are extremely solid as well like the vocal performances are are You know, if sometimes you're watching a movie and you feel like you can just, like, hear an actor. It's like, and I know that actor, and I can kind of picture their face in a sound booth, like, saying their lines and whatnot. I don't know. I felt really engaged with the characters, and I feel like this just threw me for a loop. And with it being one of... This is becoming a year of part ones. And I I feel like... Even if they opted not to call it part one... (laughs) yeah it just it's very satisfying more satisfying than it has been in a long run to have a sort of chaptered beat like that 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 ending really really makes us stand head and above like some other movies that try to do the same things so
0: yeah in 2018 when spider-man into the spider-verse came out i i didn't really know what to expect um I don't hate animated films. That sometimes gets leveled against me. But animated would not be my top genre. Um, I've probably watched more animated uh, superhero films in the last two or three years. Ironically, because of Into the Spider-Verse than I had before. So I was a little like, oh, I'll go see this. It looks like it'll be okay. But I I don't really know what to make of this and I was blown away. It remains, you know, it was one of my favorite films when it came out. It remains one of my favorite superhero movies. I think it's one of the best Spider-Man movies uh, that was made. So I was curious, it took them a little bit of time to kind of get to this follow-up across the Spider-Verse. And then I think it's like, through the spider-verse or something because beyond, beyond yeah. the spider-verse yeah
1: which was initially set to come out in march of next year and then they sort of admitted yeah no we weren't making these movies at the same time there's no way that's going to happen and now it's up in the air yeah
0: <laughs> so... it's probably like 2025 which right. is fine as long as you have to wait five more years and i think COVID, right right covid slowed a whole bunch of things down it's hard to know what the timing would have been but I I wasn't sure what to expect going back. How do you kind of capture that magic? And they really found a way to do it. They introduced new uh, variants that I thought were interesting. Mm. You get a lot more probably personal backstory with Gwen Stacy, which I really enjoyed. Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy, their relationship. But also the relationship of them with their parents, mirrored a little bit by older Peter Parker being a parent. It was a real you yeah. know parent and child dynamic. I thought it ended uh in a in an interesting spot where it's set up. It might have been a touch long uh, I don't like it quite as much as I liked the first one, but I still like it a lot, obviously it's still sitting in my my mm-hmm top five movies of the year. I was blown away again with what they did. And I think right now that's probably the one to beat when it comes to animated films this year. I liked oh, yeah. Elemental. I've liked a couple other ones. I thought Nimona was interesting that just came out on Netflix, but I I think it's possible that they go back to back winning the, the animated Oscar, unless we get a big one um, that really does something towards the end of the year here, because I was really impressed with what they did. Hmm. Uh, my number two is the film Past Lives. And this one uh, was part of the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, comes from Celine Song. Uh, and then it got finally released literally the last weekend of June. This was the last movie I saw technically in June to qualify for um, the first half of the year. And I was waiting to see if it was going to come out because so many people were very excited about it. As soon as I saw it, I knew why. Um, I'm going to say this is not a light watch. Um, it is really. Because I not mean, a one. Ricky said it was incredibly depressing. I tried to say it was a little. It was a little bit of a downer, and he's like, "What do you mean? It's the saddest movie I've ever seen." So it's basically uh, about um, two kids that, when they're twelve, kind of have a connection in Korea. And one of them with her family emigrates to the west first to canada and then to new york 12 years later they kind of connect again via skype and they're they're forming a pretty deep deepening connection but when it becomes clear that she wants to be a playwright and is going to stay in new york and he's on a path to become an accountant or an engineer i think it was an engineer i'm sorry i messed that up in korea she kind of cuts off their communication and literally almost a couple weeks later at a writer's retreat she meets this other writer and they end up kind of falling in love and then you jump ahead 12 more years and now she's married and a playwright her her friend is still single and coming to new york to visit her And all those kind of feelings and 24 years and the what if and the decisions you make in your life and the decisions that are made on your behalf it's this kind of deep exploration of these three characters it is difficult it is incredibly moving it yeah. has just beautiful writing beautiful performances greta lee who is the main um actress here i have i have her currently sitting as my top choice for actresses so far for for midpoint of the year but all the performances um are really great even john nagero plays her um they they make a joke like white jewish husband he basically says at one point in time if this was a romantic comedy i would be the evil american that's standing in the way of true romance because you have this fantastic story with your your friend and it's like that complexity and and the way that they go back and forth it was just it was a beautiful movie i hope at some point you get to see it. i'll be curious to see what your thoughts are and it it was it's not been easy to find it was in real limited theatrical release of course art movies deep purposeful movies that get released in the middle of blockbuster season often don't get that many screens and don't get that much time i don't even think it's still in our theater here which is saying something because it's only one week ago it, it literally opened on um june 30th the same day as wow. uh, indiana jones and i'm not sure it's still there but hopefully it'll be coming out um it's worth checking out don't watch it when you're already feeling sad or if you're looking for something to pick you up but uh i just thought it was beautifully shot eric your uh, your number two movie also a touch emotional
1: it's intergalactic planetary planetary intergalactic <laughs> It's I adore the entire guardians of the galaxy franchise um and this was like this continued its trend of being just its own living breathing organism within the mcu that stands on its own like two feet and is just it was its own sort of end game it's its own sort of conclusion to a 10 year nine year 10 year journey with these characters on screen and it was so thoughtful and And the relationships were dealt with so carefully because of the way that you know they had to be worked into Infinity War and all of that kind of thing. But also the imagination on screen, Nathan Fillion's cameo, uh Cosmos subplot. The only the only even criticism I can think of this as a blockbuster movie, as a theater experience or anything at all, is they kind of turn this character Adam Warlock into sort of a joke, and then they leave that as the introduction of that character for someone else to deal with down the line. Um, And that's such a minimal sort of problem for something that was just so entertaining that like, you know, how do you feel that much for a CGI raccoon that rips someone's face off? You know, like it's, it's unbelievable. It's again, the score, you know, is, is moi and the like needle drop choices and all that kind of stuff. The, um, and, I can't think of a performance I didn't like. I just, it was just across the board an absolute blast and my absolute favorite experience. There were a lot of reasons for me to not enjoy that theater experience. And this like overswept everything. Like, like it's so easy to get distracted by people talking or a kid being in a movie they shouldn't be in or, you know, people doing this and that. And it just, was took two seconds to be snapped out and snapped back into this thing like every second of the ride, and it's unbelievable. I love Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three.
0: Well, I'll have a little more on that a little bit later. But Eric, what was your number one of the first half?
1: So, by a by a nose, the only reason this isn't my that the Guardians isn't my number one is because Creed Three was just so phenomenal, and I I. I I'm sick to hear the struggles that, that, that are going on surrounding Jonathan Majors, and I don't know what's going to happen with that. But for Michael B. Jordan to stand at the front of this franchise, take the reins that were laid down, I believe, by Ryan Coogler, and to rocket this hard on his first outing as director it's unbelievable again they take something that's sort of subtext for the character in the first movie about him not hurts and you know having to grapple with who he is on the inside and how he faces the world through his fists and they they turn that into text they turn that into something that they're they're working out and his relationship with his daughter is amazing like they there's such great chemistry between every character they chose and they so carefully wrote into Donnie's backstory in order to introduce this character. Um, I keep wanting to call him Damien. Is he also Damien? And the guy from Fast X is Damien?
0: I think it was Damien. Let me look. (laughs) I've seen so many movies. I was Uh, like, oh man. You almost forget Creek came out so early in the year that you almost forget that it
1: um it is Damien anderson it's Damien, yeah oh it's dante in fast x that's what it is so um yeah uh the, the just uh, this is racks my heart and soul with emotional like punches and beats and and the, the anime inspiration behind it. I just buy into like everything about it. Even the like one sequence that people are critical of the CGI sort of echo, like the fight that happens behind the fight. And um, yeah, it has some of the best single shots I think of any movie, like, like you you, you can like a whole movie and, and, and be, but like cinematography wise, it has some of the best shots I've seen in years. Um, Standalone. So yeah
0: yeah i enjoyed that one uh too um i thought it was an improvement for me a little bit over creed 2 um which uh, you know and that put me on a whole path uh it forced me to actually watch all the rocky movies because i had seen Rocky, <laughs> yeah. i had seen rocky balboa and i had seen the creed movies but let me tell you i don't think i was missing much yeah you would watch most of the past <laughs> I'd, I'd watch the best ones uh my number one we touched on a little bit earlier is guardians of the galaxy volume three um if you know me and you know my superhero loves this probably isn't going to be uh that hard to guess i have a fantasy football team that for six years has been named the trash pandas Mm -hmm. um guardians of the galaxy the original one is still my favorite mcu film and one of my favorite superhero films of all time. I was both excited and nervous to see how this was going to go. You know, James Gunn, we already know, is moving on uh, to the DC universe. A lot of the actors in here, um, you know, had made peace with with their arc and their time ending. And how was it going to end? And, you know, I think watching some of those trailers, I was worried we were going to get a lot more Tony Stark endings. Um, Yeah, yeah than what we got but yeah. the way he did it was beautiful the uh, mm-hmm. emotions were palpable um you talked about the song choices i'm right there with you uh even including you know doing the florence and the machine song at the end and yeah, yeah. getting to see kind of everybody dance it's very cathartic and emotional guardians of the galaxy volume 3 uh, released on vod on friday Um, Mm. And it took me 2.5 seconds uh, to make that purchase. And I, as soon as I got home from work last night, I, you know, made everyone dinner and then I'm like, yeah, we're going to watch this. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I watched all the, all the special effects and um, I watched all the deleted scenes and I told Ricky, i narrowly dodged a bullet because Pete Davidson is in one of those deleted scenes. (laughs) And I don't know if I could have had my number one movie Fortunately, you know what he's not in the theatrical cut so <laughs> but i he's was everywhere like everywhere this oh week. my it's coming for me." That's so um, funny. but i you know i just loved the way it was put together um i would imagine it's going to stay right near the top for me throughout uh, the year it's it was everything i hoped it could be um and i'm really grateful for that excited to see what all these guys do uh next but um i thought it was a great ending for this chapter uh i love peter i love rocket i'm actually thinking about taking my best friend which is my cat and dressing it as rocket and so i be peter for all <laughs> My wife rolls her eyes. I don't think she realizes I'm I'm sort of serious about that. <laughs> yeah,
1: just keep keep laughing about it and dial the laughter down as you get closer to <laughs> Halloween and you'll be good to go.
0: So Eric, why don't you give a quick recap of your top five?
1: So yeah, again, just to, to kind of run down the list, uh, at, at number five, uh, I have Indiana Jones, the Dial of Destiny. I know it's new. I know there's probably something that will resonate with me stronger, but there's Indiana Jones. And then you have um dungeons and dragons you have spider-man across the spider-verse sitting right on top of that is guardians guardians of the galaxy (laughs) okay i keep forgetting that's not the number one one and then creed three for my number one for the year
0: and uh, dial of destiny is obviously only in theaters as is across the spider verse dungeons and dragons if you want to check that out is now streaming on paramount plus uh if you have a subscription to that in addition to vod guardians of the galaxy 3 i just mentioned dropped on um voodoo on friday i would imagine about a month or so it'll be on disney plus and you know what's weird i don't think creed Creed 3 might be streaming on Prime Video. I know it's available on VOD. I feel like it should it's have gone streaming out. already. It's oh, already out I think on it's on MGM+. Plus. Oh, that's still a thing. All right. Yeah. Um. Um uh so my number five is are you there god it's me margaret that one is available on vod uh number four was air which is available on prime video then i had spider-man across the spider-verse and number three past lives which if you can find it in limited release it's worth checking out as my number two and then guardians of the galaxy volume three at my number one spot next week ethan hunt is back and we are going to be going on an impossible mission Of dead reckoning and we will be going on an even more impossible mission of ranking the mission impossible films uh but before we get out of here i thought it'd be fun to end we we gave you our our five for you know right up until june 30th there's a whole other half of the year so i I, we i asked eric we should narrow it down to one because let me tell you there are three movies alone in july that i think all both of Mm -hmm. us are very excited to see in the next couple weeks but i went a little further out Uh, to October, an Apple TV Plus original film directed by Martin Scorsese, uh, based on a book that was a chronicle of a true story, Killers of the Flower Moon. Leonardo DiCaprio, as you can see, is in it. So, too, is Robert De Niro. That one will come to theaters in October and then presumably onto Apple TV a little bit later in the year. I was so hyped. Um, It got a premiere at the Cannes Film Festival, and people loved it. It's almost three hours, which... What is used to be a thing, but now not just this year, man. I mean, if yeah. Ethan Hunt can give you two hours and forty-five minutes, you can sit through Martin Scorsese for three hours. That's I right. bought well, the book. Lee's,
1: He's been doing that forever. Martin Scorsese has been living at two hours forty minutes to three hours plus.
0: Or the Irishman. I think it's still going. I started screening that three years ago. Um, <clears throat> it is. I bought the book. I'm looking forward to. I re, usually. Um, if you know me, my process is, I don't want to have read the book before seeing Mm -hmm. the movie because a lot of times that ruins, but I got too excited. I bought it. I already started it. I'm going to end up finishing that book, but I'm excited uh, to see that. But I know you have another one, uh, November 3rd, Dennis Villeneuve. Yep, Dune part two. I,
1: that cast just rocks and the first movie i don't necessarily put on a pedestal but i do put that director on a pedestal so like i'm just excited to see a slightly more cohesive story come out of the first one which i thought was a lot of talented spectacle filmmaking around like a really boilerplate kind of simple story and that's not the fault of the story dune has been like a prototype for science fiction since it was first written you know there's technically it's not the movie that looks like other movies other movies look like it and then it got to be remade but like i'm just unless, really excited unless you've to seen
0: the, the classic david lynch david, version which well, of course which to you.
1: does its own thing um so uh yeah i'm just really excited to dig into that world more and have the story go in more interesting directions and use the talent that it has so
0: yeah. yeah, I'll be curious to see if the characters resonate more because the the first Dune I thought was a technical masterpiece, and I love Denny Villeneuve as a filmmaker. For as much as I love La La Land, his Arrival is the best film the year that it, it released. Yeah, but and I thought it was technically brilliant. I thought it was beautiful to behold. But I also too wonder that was during that weird um, period where hbo max which doesn't exist anymore now it's just max your turn peacock yeah. uh is uh where they were taking all the new release and just kind of dumping them straight on there and i sometimes wonder if watching it but i still thought it was technically beautiful brilliant and yeah. brilliant yeah there's i just I mean, didn't it's... resonate with um Paul, which was my problem with even David Lynch's version, I didn't really care about the main character, yep. and you don't get to see enough of Zendaya's character in the first half. I mean, you know, they made big, um big advertisements that Zendaya was in Dune. She's in she's not really Dune Part One. <laughs> yeah, right. she's in there. I mean, she's there. Her but, picture's there. Gosh, I think she appeared in a couple of. Oh, she's there at the end, of course. Yeah, like, yeah, but. Um, but actually the ironically, the one that I liked the most from the first two was Jason Momoa. Mm. Who doesn't make it? <laughs> I just they're they're doing
1: this amazing thing between um The Batman and Dune are the only two projects I've heard of that have done this, where they have blurred the line between digital and film cinematography with the lenses that they're using and a post-production process where they take the digital movie, printed on film. And then digitally record the film print. So it takes some of the grain and the textures and the warbling and that and gives you a, a different sense of things. And you can still see it if you put on the Batman, whether it's streaming or whatever. From the very beginning with that Stark logo that pops up, you can see it kind of jiggling. That's that sort of texture that comes from playing with that gray area between two medians that has been at odds for, for forever. And it's just so creative what they try and do. And like, I'm just, I don't know. They push things forward and I'm really hoping that you get more of a story out of it.
0: I just want to know when we're going to get a darker, grittier Batman.
1: <laughs> about time, right?
0: All these. Balls fluffy, in your court, and Andy machete.
1: Yeah. All these fluffy takes on Batman. I'm about tired of it. Yeah.
0: Well, in case you needed more reason to get excited about Oppenheimer, since you were talking about uh, film that came out this week, you're right. I don't buy CGI shots. No
1: CGI shots. Probably CGI in shots.
0: No, don't take this away from me.
1: Okay, I would like. I like to believe. There's also apparently apparently
0: a full frontal nudity scene for Killian Murphy. So. I was super excited oh, yeah. about one of those pieces of news, and very not Richard. sure how to take the other. I'll <laughs> we'll leave it up to you which uh, which piece of news hit me which way. But I am excited to uh, see that. I uh, I tell you, it's been great. The critic screenings for the for that and Barbie nationwide are on the exact same day at the exact same time. Some mm-hmm. people to choose so but i'm my wife wants to see those so we're going to both of those together we're going to barbie on her birthday and then mm-hmm. oppenheimer i want to see in imax
1: yep we're working that out we're working out the double feature weekend
0: things you got to do but up next ethan hunt mission impossible early reviews are pretty great so uh, uh. As you uh, race to watch the six previous Mission Impossible movies, uh, we'll definitely have watched the first
1: one. By reports, we're going back to Dutch angles and some of the characters from the first one coming back. So
0: just—I knew it. I knew he was us. To... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: he comes back and he has like a really messed up face. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Until next time, we'll see you guys at the movies.